Chapter 11, Georgia, On My Nerves. About 12 seconds after I slammed my door, Georgia came a-knocking. She knew better than to just barge in. At least I'd trained her that much. Enter, I told her. She came in and closed the door right behind her. What's going on? Why was he yelling like that? Are you in trouble, she said. In case you're wondering, Georgia is nine and a half years old in fourth grade and 100% into everyone else's business. Go away, I told her. I had work to do, a mission to plan. Besides, since when do I need an excuse to not want my sister around? Just tell me what he said, she whined. Here, I gave her one of my pudding cups. He said, have a pudding cup, okay? Now get out. She gave me a look that was like, I'm not stupid, but okay, I'll take the pudding cup. And she didn't ask any more questions. Mostly, I can't stand Georgia, but I also didn't want her to get stuck in the middle of anything with me and Bear. She was still the kid in the family, after all. Rafa, what? I said. Thanks for the pudding cup. You're welcome. Now close the door. From the other side, I said and turned my back on her like I expected nothing short of obedience. A few seconds later, I heard her leave. Finally, some peace and quiet. Now I could get down to work and really figure out where this whole mission thing was going to take me next. Chapter 12. So this is what motivation feels like. First of all, it needed a name. I thought about it for a while and came up with Operation Rafe, which stands for R, rules, A, aren't, F, for, E, everyone. I'd be the first kid to ever play Operation Rafe, but not the last. Someday there would be Operation Rafe video games, Rafe Cachadorian action figures. Okay, so it's not the best action hero name, a movie version starring me and a whole amusement park called Rafe world with 16 different roller coasters and no height requirements to ride any of the rides. The whole thing, Rafi Enterprises, would make me the world's youngest million billion trillionaire, or maybe some kind of heir that doesn't even exist yet, and I'd pay somebody to go to school for me. Meanwhile, I still had to finish inventing this thing. I decided that every rule in Hills Village Middle School Code of Conduct should be worth a certain number of points depending on how hard it was to break. Of course, this meant I could get into some serious trouble. So I decided to make that worth a bunch of points too. And there would be bonuses for things like getting big laughs or if Jeannie Galettis saw what I did, definitely that. I wrote it all down in a big grid in one of the spiral notebooks mom got me for school. What? This was for school? That's only part of it. There are a ton more rules in the code of contact conduct than that, 112 of them to be exact, but you get the idea. After I was done writing it all down, I started thinking maybe this whole thing needed some kind of major ending. Like if Operation Rafi was going to get me through sixth grade, then I should have something big, no huge, as a kind of final challenge before I could go on to the next level, which was seventh grade. I'd get Leo to help me and it would be worth half a million points, way more than anything else. It had to be something everyone in school would see and everyone would remember long after I was gone, but also very high risk. I'd have to earn these, those big points. I still didn't have any idea how I was going to pull this whole thing off, but it almost didn't matter. I just couldn't wait to start figuring it out. In fact, and please don't tell anyone I said this, for the first time in my life, I was actually looking forward to going back to school. 
Chapter 13, Off and Running. The next morning, Mom set two plates of scrambled eggs in front of me and Georgia and then sat down to watch us eat. She loves to watch us eat, which I totally don't get. I mean, she works at a diner. She watches people eat all day long. You were both asleep when I got home last night, she said. I'm dying to hear about the first day of school. Tell me everything. I wanted to say, define everything, but that would have been like putting up a neon sign that read, I have something to hide. The thing is, I don't like to lie to mom. I mean, I'll do it if I have to, but she has enough to deal with. So instead, I shoved half a piece of toast (coughs) and a bunch of scrambled eggs into my mouth and started chewing as slowly as I could. That meant Georgia went first. Lucky for me, she talks a lot. I mean, a lot. If mom hadn't cut her off, I might have gotten all the way out of the door without even saying a word. How about you, Rafe? She asked when Georgia finally took a breath. What do you think of middle school so far? Well, I said, it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. Like Leo says, not telling the whole truth isn't the same as lying. Mom's eyes got all wide, like I just sprouted a second head or something. Who are you and what have you done with my son, Rafe? She asked, joking around. I'm not saying I love it. No, but this sounds like a good start, Mom said. I'm proud of you, honey. You must be doing something, right? Whatever it is, just keep doing it. Oh, I will, I told her just before I shoved some more scrambled eggs into my big, fat, not-quite-lying mouth. Chapter 14. Rules were made for breaking. The next few days were just okay. I couldn't top my fire drill for Monday, so I didn't even try. I just stuck to some of the beginner-level stuff to keep things moving along. On Tuesday, I chewed gum in homeroom, and Mr. Rourke made me spit it out. 5,000 points. On Wednesday, I ran down the hall past the office until Mr. Dwight told me to put the brakes on there, Mr. 10,000 points. On Thursday, I took a Snickers out in the library, and Mrs. Furrock, who's about 180 years old, told me to put it away. 5,000 points. I even took a bite before I did, but she didn't notice. No bonus. By Friday, I could tell something was missing. Just breaking the rules by itself wasn't going to cut it. I needed something more. I needed a boost in my game. I needed, wait for it, Leoizing. He caught up with me at my locker just before 8th period English, and of course he knew right away what I should do. Leo always does. You're just coasting, he said. If you're going to play this game, then you need to really play it. So I'm going to change things up. You, I said. Since when do you make the decisions? Since I came up with half the idea for this whole thing, he told me. Here's the deal. It's 2.26. That means 49 minutes left in the day. That's how long I'm giving you to earn another 30,000 points. 30,000, I said. That was more than I'd made in the last three days combined. Yep, otherwise you lose a life, he said. Hang on a second. Leo was going kind of fast, even for Leo. I have lives? Sure, he said, like it was obvious, three of them to be exact. And what happens if... I didn't even want to say it. What happens if I lose all three lives? Then you're a big loser. You don't get to finish the game, and the rest of the year will be about as much fun as a case of never-ending diarrhea, he told me. Oh, I said, that's all, huh? Leo shrugged. Gotta keep it interesting. That's one thing about Leo. He definitely knows how to keep things interesting. I mean... It's not like just because he says something, I have to do it. But what would you rather do? Play this game by yourself 
Or with your best friend? Yeah, I thought so. Okay, game on, I told him. I looked up at the clock just as the eighth period bell started to ring. That's 48 minutes and counting, Leo said. Better get busy. Chapter 15, right and wrong. I got to Miss Donatello's English class with 47 and a half minutes left in the day. The clock was ticking on my life, one of them at least. After attendance, Donatello told us that we were going to read parts of Romeo and Juliet aloud in class. It was written by Mr. William Shakespeare, who I believe is famous for writing the most boring plays in the history of the universe. This is a little advanced, Donatello told us, but I think you kids are up for it. Obviously, she didn't know the first thing about me. Allison Prouty, who raises her hand for everything, helped give out the scripts while Donatello told us what parts we each had. When she got to me, she said, Rafe, I think you'd make a fine Paris. And everyone in the room started laughing right at me. Paris, I asked. Why do I have to read a girl's part? Paris is a boy, Donatello told me. He's one of Lord Capulet's best men. Yeah, well, he probably still wears tights, I said, but Donatello ignored me. Listen to the language as we read through, she told everyone. Notice how every line has ten syllables. Notice the subtle rhyming. That's not easy to do. Nobody wrote like Shakespeare. Nobody. And I thought, hmm, idea in progress. Please stand by. Let's begin, Donatello said. Act one, scene one. It turned out that this Paris guy, he really was a guy, doesn't come in until page 12. That was good. It gave me time to work on my idea. Donatello probably thought I was taking notes like Jeannie Galetta and the other brainiacs, but I was actually hot on the trail of those 30,000 points. Ten syllables per line, check. Rhyming, check. By the time we got to my part, there were only a couple minutes left in class, but I was ready. Act one, scene two, Donatello read. Lord Capulet and Paris enter. Jason Rice was Lord Capulet, and he had the first line. It went something like, but Montauk is bound as well as I, and blah, 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 for men so old as we to keep the peace, and blah, blah, blah. I told you it was boring. Now it was my turn. I put my paper over the script and looked down like I was reading from the right place. Then, loud and clear, I read, Excuse me, sir, there's dog poop on your shoe. Rafe, Donatello shouted but not as loudly as everyone else was laughing, so I kept going. Your wife is ugly and your daughter, too. I think this play is stupid, so guess what? I'm out of here and you can kiss my... That's as far as I got before Donatello the Dragon Lady ripped the page right out of my hand. I knew I was in trouble, but I'll tell you this much. It was totally worth it. Everyone beside Donatello was still laughing, including Jeannie Galetta. Yes! And the thing was... Nobody was laughing at me anymore. Now they were laughing with me. That's like the difference between night and day, or wet and dry, or in this case, losing and winning.